I'm excited to open up the next chapter in the Gospel of Matthew. For those who are new, we are on a journey through the Gospel of Matthew in a series that we've called Incomparable. And what we're talking about is how the kingdom is unlike anything else. And last week we looked at the beginning of the Sermon on, on the Mount, and Jesus turned upside down so many things that we know, and he said things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, or as I said, it's probably a better trans- translation is, good on ya if you're poor in spirit. And so we're going to continue the Australian sort of theme today. And of course, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, and the title of the sermon today is No Worries, Mate. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. So let's begin with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we just thank you for um, the fact that you are a God that we can trust in. And there's been all sorts of challenges this week in a, in a group of people this this size, Lord, we know there's all sorts of struggles, all sorts of problems that have been encountered, Lord, and we are here. You've got us through each and every one of them, Lord, and we thank you for that. And as we open up Scripture today, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us. And Lord, I pray that each person will leave with a, a special message that they can apply to their lives that can make them um, more, give them more success in, in their week to come, Lord, and also draw them closer to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was finishing, I just finished grade 12, and I planned to go on this big adventure for my, um, my gap year, kind of like what a couple of Mitch and Jesse, who are off over in the States at the moment from our church, at the summer camp over in America, I was going to do the same thing. And so I had summer camp for two months, and then um, for the rest of you, I had the Arise program. And one of the things you need to do for those, who've been to Amer- those of you who have been to America for longer than about three months is that you need to get a visa. And so I had to go down to Sydney and go to the, the U.S. Embassy and go to the interview process and get my visa. But I actually needed two visas. So I had to go down there twice and, to get all that sorted out. And it was around about a week or two from, um, from when I actually had to leave. Probably a week, I think it was about a week before I had to leave. And I get in, in the mail the little slip that says you need to go to the post office and pick up your, your parcel which I knew was my passport, which is a, a very important thing when, when you're traveling. And I go down to the, the post office, and I give them the, the little slip of paper. And I say, I need to collect my, uh, my pass, parcel. And the lady, she walked out of that room, and she went into where all the parcels are kept, and she walked back out looking confused. And then she walked back in again, and she walked back out looking even more confused. And she said, oh, I think I gave it to the wrong person. And I was like, ah, that's not really what, you shouldn't be able to do that. But Smith is apparently a fairly common name. And so, but, and she had no contact details of who this person was. And so, and I'm in my mind thinking, okay, if I don't get this, I can't get my passports, can't get my, a new passport, can't get the visas, this trip is, is all over. And I'm starting to stress and panic. And she pulls out the phone book, says, well, it has to be another Smith. And <laughs> huge list of Smiths. And I'm just like, getting into a bit of a, a panic mode inside my, my brain. And life throws us all sorts of situations like this. And what do we do when we come across, when life throws us these kinds of uncertainties? And in the heart of our passage today, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says three words, which are so simple, but so challenging to put into practice in our day-to-day lives. Jesus says, do not worry. Let it go. Surrender that thing that you're stressing over and let God take care of it. 
let's read the, the whole verse that we have in Matthew 6, verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? What Jesus is doing here is he's drawing our attention to the basic necessities of life. Food, clothing, um, drink, those things that we, our basic needs. And, and, and in doing this, we can apply this to all of the needs that we have in our lives. Um, food, um, clothes, where are we going to live? How are we going to pay for the bills? Um, what is that deadline that you're, you're cramming everything in to meet, whether it's at school or whether it's at work or study? Um, relationships, what are the, the needs that your, your relationship, whether it's your marriage or your family or, with, or kids, health problems, work? Um, there's all sorts of things that cause us stress and that make us, um, that just, it, 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 it wears away at our health, it, it wears away at our sanity and, we, and our lives throw so many things at us, curveballs, uncertainties, emergencies, all sorts of things that make us stress and worry. And Jesus says, do not worry. I wonder what the collective impact of worry has been on us as a church this week. How would our lives be different if we actually learned how to apply these three words to our life in the future? How would your life be different? How would our world be different? Now, I don't believe that this, this is teaching us to be lazy. I don't believe that this is saying that we don't need to prepare for the future. I don't believe it is saying that we don't need to care about the, the difficulties and the troubles that others have. Um, but what it is saying is that when life throws those uncertainties at us, we are to face them unafraid. We are to have a calmness that, that is unattainable for the people who don't have the faith in Jesus that we have. And also, we are to have this peace that surpasses all understanding. It seems very easy to say those things, but how do we actually put it into practice? And I want to draw out from the text this morning three things that I believe will help you be on your, go on your journey towards being someone who can say, no worries, mate. Do not and following Jesus' instructions to not worry. And so the first one of those things, how to end worry, is this. Trust in God's love. Open up in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through to 26, we're going to read. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, says... Now, I've already read this verse, but I'll read it again. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than clothes, more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Then Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Back when I was doing my HSC in grade 12, I remember just hating the amount of work that they make you do um, with, the, with all these exams that you're working to. And I remember when I was at school, it was almost came across like, if you don't do well in here, then your whole life is going to, to fall apart. And, and I remember I was at my parents' house, and where they lived, there's like the kitchen and the dining area where I was, I was studying. And it goes down the hill, there's a, there's a dam out the front, and then there's a paddock, which had all these cows 
roaming around in that paddock. And I remember sitting there furiously sort of stressing over this exam or assignment or something that was coming up at, at school and just looking at these cows and, wish, and just thinking, wouldn't it be nice to be like a cow? Because what do cows do? They walk around, they eat, they walk around, they might have a sleep, eat some more, walk around some more, sleep some more. Pretty stress-free sort of existence. Have there been times in your life, maybe this week, where you would have enjoyed a bit of time kind of like that, eating, sleeping, not a care in the world? And Jesus isn't drawing our attention to cows, but he's drawing our attention to the birds in the sky. And when you look at birds, they don't, as you're saying, they don't, they don't have these, they don't plant um, uh, far, like crops and things for their food. They don't have a retirement plan. T- plan. They don't have, um, they're not working on a degree to go get a job, to go um, earn money so they can buy their food. They're not stressing about all these things. They just have this very simple um, day-by-day existence. And I don't think that Jesus is saying that we need to just have a, sim- a life as simple as a bird. But what he's making, the point that Jesus is making is that God looks after them. They're not stressing, but God is looking after them. And then in addition to that, Jesus says these words, which come at the end of verse 26. He says, Are you not much more valuable than they? If God cares so much about the birds in the sky, how much does he care about us? If God can provide the birds' needs and the cows' needs, surely he can and wants to provide for our needs as well. A verse that I love in Romans chapter 8, verse 32 says this, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This is not just talking about God's capacity to take care of our needs, but the fact that God would want to take care of our needs. If you want to know how much God values you, if you want to know how much God loves you, all you need to do is look at the cross. On the cross, you see Jesus there, nails through his hands, crown of thorns on his head, hanging there, dying for a world of lost sinners. And, G- and God is shouting out to us, this is how much I value you. This is how much I love you. During the week, uh, Pastor David Haupt and myself have been going around and visiting um, various church members, and we're going to be continuing doing this in the weeks to come. And we went and we visited with um, Joel and Mildred, and we saw their new baby, Asher. And it was really awesome just to see um, the love just radiating from their faces as they, for this new child of theirs, and you could just see they were so in love with this, this new baby that they had. And it just got me thinking about the Father's love that He has for us. And for Him, when it says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, He gave His most precious possession. God has placed an infinite value upon us. And when we understand that, we understand not only that God can provide for our needs, but that He wants to provide for our needs. God loves us more than anyone else. God loves us even more than we love ourselves, and God wants to help us in our time of need even more than we want to help ourselves. 
How to end worry? Number one, trust in God's love. Number two, trust in God's knowledge. Let's go back to Scripture. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 and 32 says this. Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. The world is running after so many things, chasing debt, chasing work, running after family issues, health issues, friendship issues, um, and then running over and getting stressed over all sorts of things, whether it's terrorism, whether it's politics, whether it's the little things that get caught up in the blendery thing under the big concrete circle thing that we learned about in our announcement this morning. The world is running after so many things. And as it says there, Jesus says, the pagans run after these things. And in our world, we'd just say, those who don't have a belief in Jesus are running after these sorts of things. But Jesus is saying that we can have a different experience, that we can have a different approach to those same, to those same things that everyone is running after. And instead of Jesus, in this point, taking note of how much he values us, he, he, he talks about how much he knows us. And at the end of verse 32, it says, For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. What Jesus is wanting us to do there is, is to think about and meditate on the fact that Jesus knows us more than we know ourselves. One of my favorite uh, psalms in the Old Testament is Psalm 139. And more than any place in the Bible, I think this psalm communicates to us just how much God is both interested in and just how much God knows us in our day-to-day lives. And I want to read through, it's a fairly large passage, and it's from the message But as I read through this passage, I want you to just be meditating on and thinking about the extent to which God knows you and your particular situation that you're in. It says, God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? To be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, Oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Oh yes, you shaped me first inside out, inside then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvel, marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. 
You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. God knows us inside and out. And let's apply to this to the problems that people might have. Someone might be suffering with cancer, for example. But God knows every cell in that body that are affected. In fact, God is the inventor the designer and the creator of each one of those cells as well. God knew that that was going to happen well before it took place. And God knows our problems and our needs so much more intimately than we even can begin to imagine. What if it's a financial situation that you're struggling with? God knows the exact number of cents that are in your bank account. God knows every detail of every decision that led you to be in the situation that you're in. And God knows every dollar figure of every expense that you haven't even had yet that lies in the future. God knows our needs better than we know them ourselves. And sometimes the needs that we think are needs, God might know that they're actually not needs. And sometimes the things that we don't think are needs, God knows that they are needs. And so one of the reasons we shouldn't worry about worry so much is because we don't really even know what we should be worrying about. And so if God knows our situation and God loves us and cares for us, we're moving towards ending worry in our life. Point number three, trust in God's promise. Now there's a promise in Matthew chapter six, which is a very all-encompassing sort of a promise about God's ability and that God's, the fact that God will provide us in our time, for us in our time of need. Let's read Matthew chapter six, verse 33. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Here God is promising to give us all these things. Well, what are all these things that Jesus is talking about? The all these things is those things that God knows that we need that he talked about in the verse before. Here Jesus is promising that he is going to provide us with all of our needs. And this is why we don't need to worry, because we have a promise that God said that he is going to look after us take care, and take care of us. But when you read closely at this promise, you'll realize that this promise isn't actually for everyone. Okay, We, we often think that the promises of God are for everyone, but here, this promise isn't for everyone. It's only for those people who are willing to submit themselves to the condition that is stated in that promise. And let's read it one more time. It says, verse 33, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The promise is that God will take care of your needs. The condition is that we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. If we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God will take care of the rest, and that's the promise that God gives us. But what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And how do we actually implement that in our life? 
I want to suggest that it comes down to priorities. Up on the screen here, this is, all of us have priorities in our life. Some, you don't necessarily make, get out a, a notepad and say, these are going to be my priorities in life. You might do that, but all of us have priorities in our life that guide the various decisions that we make. Your number one priority might be family. Maybe it's money, maybe it's character. Um, but we all have a list, and when we come up to difficult decisions in our life, it's these priorities in our lives that determine which decision that we make. You're filling in your tax return, and you know that you can get away with something, but should you make that decision or not? Something that isn't quite legal, but no one's going to find out. Is money a higher priority, or your character a higher priority? Depending where those things sit would determine the decision that you're going to make. Maybe surfing, Xbox, and school, maybe your priorities look something like this. Okay, and you have that assignment that needs to be done, but the surf is just pumping at the moment. What decision will you make? Well, it depends on your priorities, and the list can go on. There's all sorts of different lists of priorities that we can have. But if God is going to be first, if we're going to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then the number one priority always has to be God. If God is not the number one priority in your life, then how can you claim the promise? We need to um, meet the condition of the promise in order to claim the benefits of the promise. Seeking first means God tops our priority list. But what does this look like in practical life? There's four things I want to bring out to you from the text of, of what it looks like to put God as your number one in your life. And let's go to number one. Number one is prioritizing spiritual food before physical food. Now let's go back to uh, verse 25. So chapter 6, verse 25. And Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? Okay. Here Jesus is making this claim that food is important, but it's not the most important thing. In fact, there's something that we need to be more worried about, more concerned about than food. And for us who have been studying through the Gospel of Matthew, we, can, we should be able to think back to a time when food and the, the, the need for food became an issue. Let's cast our minds back to chapter 4 and go with me there to chapter 4. And we find Jesus in the wilderness. He's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, if you've been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, food is going to be pretty high on your priority list. And Jesus is there. And it says in verse uh, 2, chapter 4, verse 2, After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Which makes sense. Verse 3, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus isn't saying that that physical food is unimportant, but what he's saying is that there's something that is much more important to our daily life and nutrition than physical food, and that is spiritual food. And specifically, it says, on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Of God, And what we have in our hands, our Bibles, that is the Word of God. And for us to be putting God first, the Word of God 
our spiritual food needs to come before physical food. Now for me, sometimes other things tend to push up in the priority list above this. For me, two things that I always struggle with, with spending time in the Word each day, is the snooze button and also my phone. Um, you wake up in the morning, before I go to bed, I always think, okay, what time do I need to get started in the day? How much time do I need to spend with God in the morning? You work your time back and you put the time in your, in your alarm clock. I don't usually give myself much extra time, but I put it in there. And you wake up the next morning and you're just like, oh, I'm so tired. And at that moment, you have to make a decision about what is going to be a higher priority in your life. Is it going to be that sleep with that snooze button? Or is it going to be getting out of, out of bed and getting into the Word? Another thing is my phone. Sometimes I go off to turn off the alarm, and then I say, oh, I've got a new email. Or, and then you do that. Next thing, you're checking Facebook or whatever else it might be, and that time that you've set for God is suddenly half gone. And without realizing it, I've placed other things as, higher priority, as a higher priority over the spiritual food in my life. And so God is saying, seek first the kingdom of God, and this involves putting spiritual food before physical food. Number two, God's reward before man's reward. And we find this in the beginning of chapter 6. Beginning of chapter 6, verse 1 says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Whenever we do something to help someone, whenever we seek to bless someone else, we always get a blessing in return. Now, I haven't talked to many people of, just, of the school kids who have just got back from Vanuatu, but I'm sure if you talk to them, they'll say, tell you something like this. They'll say, oh, we went there to bless these people in Vanuatu, but guess what? We ended up getting a, better, a bigger blessing ourselves. And for those who've ever done something like that, or in your own experience where you've, you've gone out of your way to help someone, you would know that when you help someone, God has a rich, all sorts of rich treasures to give you in return. Some of those things include the joy of seeing someone's life changed. Simply that joy that comes from helping someone. A closer walk with God. As we help others, it draws us closer to God. Um, a purer character, a refined character. There's all these rewards that God wants to give us. But what Jesus is, is pointing out here is that some people aren't seeking God's rewards, they're seeking man's rewards. Verse 2 in chapter 6 says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. It's quite comical really to think of this person going to give something to someone in need and have someone before them blowing a trumpet. Everyone look at me, I'm helping someone. What's the reward that person is seeking? admiration, they're seeking position, prestige, they're seeking people thinking, oh wow, that person is so spiritually rich, which is kind of what we are talking about last week. They're seeking man's reward. But instead, Jesus says in verse 3, chapter 6, verse 3, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your, your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The awesome thing about doing something in secret is that you can't get admired from, you can't get any admiration from anyone. Man, 
um, other people can't reward you for that because they don't even know that you're doing it. And it's a safeguard that Jesus says. It's a safeguard to having pure motives and pure intentions when we help and when we give. And so one way that we can put God's reward before man's reward is to do our giving and our acts of kindness in secret. Now, there is a balance that we find here in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus also says, Let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and glorify your God in heaven. And so there is a balance there, but in letting your light shine, we are to do so to give God glory. And when we're in danger of receiving the glory for ourselves, we do it in secret because we're seeking God's reward. We're prioritizing God's reward before man's reward. Number three, seek the condition before the promise. I want you to take you to the Lord's Prayer. And it's in chapter 6, verse 9. The Lord's Prayer, you might describe it as a model that Jesus gives us for prayer. It's kind of like a template, a guide. Jesus never intended us to just meaninglessly repeat those same words over and over and over and over and over and over again. Although if you pray those exact words, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. But God is giving us a template, a guide for us to pray. For, to pray. And I want to show you today how this promise about seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness is found right there in the heart of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Some of your versions will say, Thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's break this, this, this prayer down into six parts. The prayer begins with three things concerning God. Okay, Hallowed be your name, or honored be your name, God's name. Thy kingdom come, God's kingdom. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God's will. Then it turns to the things concerning us. Give us this day our daily bread, that's our daily needs. Uh, forgive us our sins as, or our debts as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. That's our sins. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's our temptation. Now, where do you see the promise and the condition in here? Remember, the promise was that God will provide us with all of our needs. That's here. God will give us our needs, help us in our, with our needs, our sins, and our temptations. But where's the condition? Seek first the kingdom of God, okay, right there, the kingdom, and His righteousness, that's seeking God's will in your life, seeking to put God first, God's name first. We see the condition and the promise right there at the heart of the Lord's Prayer. Now, what comes first, the condition or the promise? The condition comes first. And I, think that, and I believe that God is communicating to us that if in our prayers that we are praying for God, that God's name would be glorified, that God's kingdom would be first in our life, that God's will would be done in our life, then, then we are, if we've, if we've prayed through that, then we have met the condition of the promise in Matthew chapter 6. And only when we've met that condition, then we can boldly, boldly request that God will give us our daily, daily bread. And so in our prayers, we, sh- we are, as in, in the example that Jesus has given us, to prioritize the condition before the promise. 
Let's, put, let's pray, prayerfully put God first in our life and then trust wholeheartedly that He will provide us for our needs. The condition before the promise. The last one. Putting God first means prioritizing heavenly treasure before earthly treasure. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So here, Jesus is saying, don't lay up your treasures on earth. Now, I was doing a little bit of research in the construction of this sermon, and I found a couple of interesting statistics that I want to bring to you. The first one comes from a research group called New World Wealth, and they... They did this big research study where they found the 10 wealthiest countries in the world. And the way they do it is by working out which countries have the highest wealth per person in that country. Okay? And this here is the top five of those top 10. The rest didn't fit on the screen. But where does Australia fit in as far as wealth in the world? Australia is there as number four. Now, those top two, it was explaining that they're these tax havens that People just go there because they get a lot, don't have to pay very much tax. And so in reality, if you exclude those top two, Australia sits as number two as far as the countries ranked with the highest um, per capita wealth in the whole world. We are extremely wealthy. $204,000 average per person or US in Australia. Compare that to, um, compare that to say, some countries in Africa, the highest country in Africa average wealth was about, around about $20,000 US, and the lowest was $200 US average per, per person. In Australia, we are exceedingly wealthy. However, let me show you another statistic, which was interesting. This one was from the Australian Psychological Society, looking at stress and well-being in Australia. And it lists the, the various causes of stress the various causes of stress that people are suffering with Australia, in Australia from the most prevalent through to the least uh, prevalent. And look at what number one is. Personal financial issues. And the other one, throughout the age categories, there was changes throughout the age categories, but number one in every single age category was personal finance, which is quite interesting that we are such a wealthy country and yet we are stressed and worried and concerned and anxious about financial issues. But what does that tell you about the things that we spend our money on? Could it be that we, as it's saying, we are not following the instruction that Jesus has given us in here, which says, do not store up your treasures on earth. Our nation loves their treasures, whether they're houses, boats, cars, or gadgets, or whatever they might be. And God isn't saying that you can't have things that are special to you, but it's like, where are your priorities? Where are you prioritizing the placing of your treasures? Is it those earthly treasures or is it the heavenly treasures that God has in store for you? And what are heavenly treasures? Eternal life, a place in the new earth where there'll be no sickness, no suffering, no pain, a relationship with Jesus an eternal relationship with Jesus, a joy to live a life unlike you've ever lived before. These are the things that God is offering us, and these are the things that are truly, um, truly important. And so Jesus says, 
don't store up your treasures on earth, but store up your treasures in heaven. Well, what's the problem with our treasures on earth? None of them are lasting. When I was training for this half marathon at the beginning, I went and bought myself a brand new pair of shoes. And I was really excited to run in these, and I had about two runs, and I went down to the big camp setup and setting up tents, and I came home and I left them there at, down at, um, at, um, at big camp at Stuart's Point. And so I rang up one of my friends that stood down there and said, oh, I left my shoes, can you grab those for me? He said, oh, yep, no worries, I'll look after them, I'll give them to you next weekend. I'm like, great. Next, next weekend, I get a phone call from the same person saying, oh, um, my car got broken into last night, and they've stolen your shoes. And I was like, no, my shoes. And it's, for those who've had something stolen, you know how frustrating that can be. But the reality is all of our possessions are like that, whether it's rust, whether it's mold, whether it's losing something, whether it's something wearing out or something getting stolen. All of our possessions are temporary and aren't lasting. And Jesus doesn't want us to put our hope and our trust and our value in those things. He wants us to place them in greater things. And so how do we store up treasures in heaven? Well, character, yep. Character is one of the things that can be lasting. And something else, well, firstly, is making sure that we're going to be there, okay? Getting ourselves right with God. That is storing up treasure in heaven. And beyond that, getting the people around us ready for that as well. Because every person that we introduce Jesus to is another friend that we will have for eternity. And I know for sure that whatever it costs you to lead that person to Jesus, when you get to heaven, it's going to be all worth it. We read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19 to 20. This is Paul talking to the, um, the, the believers that he had ministered to, that he'd introduced Jesus to. He says, For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown? Okay, that sounds like a treasure there, doesn't it? Crown. What is our treasure in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. The greatest treasure that we can um, have is, firstly, being right with God ourselves, and then also leading the people around us to Jesus. That is a task that God has called every single one of us um, to. And in doing that, we are seeking first the kingdom of God. So putting God first, number one, prioritizing spiritual food before physical food. Number two, God's reward before man's reward. Number three, the condition before the promise. Number four, the heavenly treasure before earthly treasure. Our world is increasingly busy, complicated, and stressful. And Jesus is saying to us today, do not worry. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus gives out an invitation. And I wanted to share this because the, 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 when Jesus says, do not worry, I don't want you to see it so much as being a rebuke. I don't want you to see it so much as being a command that demands obedience, but rather I want you to see it as an invitation. It's the same invitation that Jesus offers to us in Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary, weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's that soul rest. That peace that surpasses all understanding. That peace which is unattainable for the world because they have not, have not put their trust in a God who can care for any problem that could possibly pass their way. Quick reminder of the three points, and then we'll finish with prayer. To end war in your life, and this is my 
challenge for you this week is to trust in these things. Trust in God's love. God loves you infinitely. He's demonstrated on the cross. And if, he can be, if he's given you his son, then will he not provide all your needs as well? Number two, trust in God's knowledge. God knows your problems more than you know them yourself. And so God is best equipped to deal with those problems. And number three, trust in God's promise that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he will provide us with all the things, not necessarily that we think we need, but that God knows that we need. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you for your incredible promises, Lord. And I pray that you'll give us the faith to trust in them. But Lord, help us not to presumptuously trust in the promise, Lord, but help us to um, really live out the condition of that promise, and that is to put you as number one on our priority list, Lord. Help us to seek you first. Help us to store up our treasure in heaven. Help us to prioritize spiritual food this week, Lord. And in doing so, placing us in a place where we can have full confidence that you will take care of us no matter what struggles or difficulties or hardships might, the world might throw at us, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you will give us that peace that surpasses all understanding. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, greetings from beautiful and sunny Kingscliff, Australia. I want to take just a moment of your time, first of all, to thank you for tuning in, watching the program. I trust it was a blessing to you and your soul, drawing you closer to God and His will for your life. I also want to let you know that we are planning a significant expansion of our existing media ministry here at the Kingscliff Church. To find out more about this expansion and how you can get involved, go to bringitkingscliff.com. You can go either to the homepage or to the Our Gifts page to find out how you can come alongside us and support, not just with your viewership, but also financially and with your prayers. Hey, thanks again so much for watching and take care.